Good morning. Good to see you all here. Happy New Year. You made it. You made it. All that late night partying. You guys came dragging in here. I saw it. Babies and all. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this morning we're beginning a new series, only fitting since it's a new year. We're going to be starting the book of Nehemiah. If you have uh, your Bible, you can open it up. If you need the scriptures, raise your hand and someone will get one to you so you can follow along with us. As we enter into this book, it's good to have a little background of where we're at and what's taking place. The nation of Israel was set aside. God had revealed himself to a man, Abraham, and said that through him, he was going to establish this nation by which all the nations of the world would be blessed. And what God had asked of these people was that as he gave them a revelation of who he was, that they would be able to show the world basically who God truly was. They were going to show him by being obedient to him, by keeping his commands, by, by following the things that he has instituted, things that we are aware of, the Ten Commandments, those kinds of things, as well as specific laws to that nation. And as people were obedient to him and the revelation that he gave to those people, it would be, in a sense, a revelation in revealing who God was himself. And so God said, if you do this, I am going to bless you. But if you don't do this, I'm not going to bless you. I'm going to deal with you like children. In other words, I'll, I'll have to discipline you if that's necessary. And it was necessary over and over and over again. God had to deal with their disobedience just like he deals with our disobedience. At least he does with me. I'm sure he does with you if you're honest and we'll have time of confession later. No, uh, it happens to all of us. And so this time when the book of Nehemiah is being written, it's one of those times of discipline. They have been taken captive by the Babylonians. And so it's not a good period in the nation's history. And so this man, Nehemiah, this book is about him and it's explaining what he did and his role in this nation. And so let's start in chapter 1 of Nehemiah, reading verse 1. It says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Keslev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, 
the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are faithful, I will scatter you among the nations. A few are unfaithful, excuse me. I will scatter you among the nations, but if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Have you ever noticed that Scripture's focus on people who are active and people of intention. The scriptures always focus on those who are doing things. Whether it be Moses who was leading the nation out of Egypt's bondage and through the wilderness or Joshua, who, who then is a general leading them into the land of promise. Or even Rahab, who was there in Jericho, who rescued those spies who were there, who, who put her life at risk and involved herself so that something good would be accomplished for the nation of Israel. Or, or maybe it would be Deborah, who was victorious in battle and engaged in battle. All these people and all these things in Scripture are people who were involved, people of intent. The Scriptures don't really say a whole lot about people who do nothing. It's probably good. It'd be real boring. And Andrew got up that morning and had Cheerios. Yeah, well, great. It just, it's not worthy of the pages there. But when you're active, whether good or bad, there's an account of it. Because the people with intention are the people who make a difference, again, for good or for bad. You can be Moses or you can be Pharaoh. You can be Elijah or you can be Jezebel. There are people involved who involve themselves in a work and make a difference. And the scripture is all about the people who make a difference. But have you ever noticed that when you involve yourself with something, it's difficult? And all throughout the scriptures, those who were involved, it wasn't a piece of cake. It was hard. 
And we're going to see with Nehemiah here through this book, this is a hardship. And, and so we can't be ignorant to this fact that if you are going to be a person of intention, if you want to make a difference in a big way, in a small way, if you just want to be involved, then there is going to be hardship involved. There is going to be cost. There is going to be sacrifice. There is going to be heartache. There is going to be opposition. There is going to be difficulty. And you need to know that up front. <laughs> Yay, happy new year. <laughs> but we need to recognize something. That our lives are shaped by the things that impact us and change us. And many times those are the things of difficulty. I can look back in my life and, and see that the times where I was really shaped as who I am and who I'm becoming are times that were difficult, times that involved hardship, times that were stressful, times where I was wondering why and I was having a difficult time just making it through. Because it's in that furnace of life that we really develop the character. James writes and puts it this way, blessed are you when you go through all kinds of different trials because the testing of your faith is producing perseverance. It's helping you to be able to get through things. And so the question that is before us as we go into this book and as we go into this new year is do we want that change to take place? Do we want change to take place in us? Do we want to be people of intention? People who are involved? People then who are at risk? People who sacrifice? People who are willing to put themselves in that line? Because that's what it's going to take. Make no mistake about it. We are building our future. Whether we like it or not. We are building who we will be and what we will be about right now. And the things that we are doing. And so this series is entitled Build. And even though the book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem that was broken down, the gates that were burned. This isn't about something that happened in the past. This is about something that is happening now. You see, it wasn't that Nehemiah was just, oh, I'm, I'm looking to rebuild the walls. He had to build the walls. He had to engage himself for this work to take place. He was going to have to commit and to be involved. And whatever it is in your life, in your future, the things that are ahead of you, are you looking to how you will be involved, how you will engage those things? What are you building? Because it's going to shape your future. 
if you don't involve yourself, you won't have an impact. My son Jordan was in town the holiday season. It was the first time in two years all our kids were together and we were pretty jazzed about it. And he went up to his wife, Taryn's in-laws, because we had to share him, you know, only fair. And they had given him some baseball cards that they had stored away in the garage, thousands and thousands of baseball cards. And so he's all excited. He's like a little kid again. He goes, Dad, look at all these cards. And he had boxes and boxes of baseball cards. And so he's opening them up and he's going through, looking them, and he's got his little phone and he's on the internet checking to see how much each one is worth, right? This one's worth 30 cents, you know. <laughs> okay, good son. But you see, the cards that are worth money are from the players who actually played. The ones who actually were good and had an impact on the game. You see, he's got thousands of cards from people I've never heard of. People who were on the bench, maybe they played a few innings, but they never had a, a impact on the game. They just didn't have, you know, the bat. They didn't have the arm. Whatever it was, they didn't quite stack up to some of the others. And so there's all the cards of them, but they aren't worth anything because they didn't make the difference in the game. And then you get the cards from those who are more well-known. You get a Nolan Ryan. Wow, this guy had an impact for years on the game, and so his card is worth a lot more. Why? Because... He was involved. He made a difference. He had an impact. And the same thing is true with our life. When we're involved and we have an impact, we make a difference, and it gives worth to our life, to us. And any amount is worth something. Any amount that you are able to contribute and give impact to is worth something. And so the challenge for us this new year and through this book is to be people of an intention that want to be involved with the things that God is doing. And we're going to look at what is God doing because it's going to be different from each of us. How are we going to be involved? But we want to be people who are involved. How do we do that? How do we get involved? Well, what motivated Nehemiah? Look in verse 4. After they tell him that the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, its gates have been burned with fire, when he heard these things, he sat down and wept. The city that God had established for the people was broken down. The gates were burned. It was devastated. They were in disgrace. And it moved him to tears. It got hold of him. When's the last time you wept? And what was it for? See, to, to weep, to cry, it's something that moves us. It's something that we care deeply about wasn't too long ago there was a situation in our family with a member of our family that moved me to tears. 
moved me to weep. Hadn't wept in years. And all of a sudden I was involved in the situation, concern, uh, worry, fear. And dealing with the situation, you know, I'm putting on my, okay, got to fix this, got to do it hat, just get in that mode where I'm going to take care of the situation. I need to do it and I'm getting in the shower, getting ready to, to go take care of this business. And I find myself in there and I just start weeping. I was just moved. I was concerned for the person involved. I was afraid for them. I was worried. I could not help be moved into this situation because it was important to me. What's important to you? What moves you? Maybe your life is like the walls and it's broken. Your gates are burned. You know, there's a proverb, proverb 25, 28, and it says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. A city whose walls are broken leaves them vulnerable. The reason it was such a problem for Jerusalem to have broken walls is because that was their defense. That was their protection. Without the walls, without the gates, they were subject to being pillaged. People coming in, stealing their animals, taking advantage of them, abusing them. They were vulnerable. They had no protection. Some of our lives are like that. We're broken down. We're, we're susceptible to all kinds of things because of where we are at in our lives. We're like a city without walls. And you see, Nehemiah was moved to tears. He, he was so concerned about what he loved, what he had passion for, that he wept. And if we are going to be moved to make a difference, we first have to care. Because if you don't care, it's just emotions. You're, you're just being religious. You're just doing things to do things. But when you care, you do things to make a difference. You do things and involve yourself in a way that actually matters. And those times when you really care, those times when you are moved to weep, those are the times where you're moved to make a difference. You have to hurt enough to care. And this is common, a common thread throughout Scripture. I mean, when we're going through Jesus' first sermon on Thursdays, the Sermon on the Mount, it begins with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who are bankrupt spiritually, who recognize the need. Blessed are those who mourn. Mourning is a gift from God. Not what we would normally think. We don't run towards poverty. We don't run towards mourning. We run away from it. And Jesus is saying, no, this is where the blessing is because this is where you really are. This is where you are shaped. This is at the core of your being. And so the blessing is there. This is where we need to be if we are going to see change in our lives. I think of Acts chapter 17 when Paul is there in Athens and he sees the whole city given to idolatry. 
It says that he was distressed. It bothered him. And we need to hurt enough to care. Maybe it's your own life. Maybe your own life is going through something and you're just seeing yourself and you're like, man, I am kind of messed up. I really need to make some changes. Maybe you're here this morning because it's your resolution. I am going to go to church. You know, I'm going to start January 1st. Well, I'm glad you made it because a lot of people didn't. Uh, And you're thinking, I just need to make some changes. The walls of my life are broken. You have to hurt enough to care if you really want to see the difference made. Otherwise, no change will take place. And caring is where we step into that situation that is difficult. It's real easy to ignore it. It's real easy to see the problem. Wow, Jerusalem is a mess. Man, the, the gates are all burned. The city is just in ruins. It's a disgrace. But you know what? I got a good job here. I don't want to lose my job. I'm the cupbearer to the king, which is a good, important position. And, and if, I, if I go help those people over there, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? I've got my things to deal with. I got, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to not worry about it. I'm not going to involve myself. I'm not going to hurt so much that I actually care to make a difference. And some, a lot of people, really don't care. We don't like to say that. We, oh, I care, but I don't care enough to be involved. I don't care enough to make a difference. I don't care enough to change. I'll just stay home. I'll just veg. I'll be comfortable and I'll be one of those cards that are in the box that has no impact, that makes no difference. I'll be unknown because I didn't care enough to involve myself with that. Jesus cared. And in fact, turn to the Gospel of Luke 19. Starting at verse 28, Jesus is making a triumphant entry into Jerusalem. There's a parade going on. People are, are flooding over him. And in verse 28, it says, after Jesus has said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks why you are doing this, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And they were untying the colt. The owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord has needed. I just wondered how that worked out. Is, is this going to work? <laughs> you know, it's like, will he buy it? And so... They replied, the Lord needs it, and they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the coat, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples, I tell you. He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. Why did he weep over it? And said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus is going into the very city that Nehemiah had rebuilt. And as he sees the city, he starts weeping. Not because the walls were broken, not because the gates were burned. He starts weeping for the condition of the people who did not recognize that God was visiting them. Who would not receive the truth that God had for them. He cared. And he hurt enough to care. And so it's important that we recognize that we need to hurt enough to care. And, and maybe you're at a place where you're just saying, well, I, I guess I don't care. You know, I, I don't care enough or as much as I should. I, I, I'm a little dis, distanced from that. I, I, I'm disconnected. Well, back in Nehemiah, Nehemiah was the same way. And when he prays, in verse 6, he says, Let your ear be attentive to your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servant, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself. In fact, he includes himself. In, in verse 7, he says, We have acted. We have not obeyed. This wasn't their fault. We have not done what we have supposed to done. We have been disconnected. And you see, the first part of caring sometimes is confessing and saying, I'm not where I should be. I'm not who I should be. I'm not doing what I should be doing. I'm not living how I should be living. I'm confessing. It's not good. And as he confesses, he's engaging into the situation. You see, I can continue to ignore things if I just don't acknowledge my problem. I can live like I've been living and no change will take place. The change first has to take place within me. If I'm going to head into this new year, if my life is broken, if the, the gates are burned, if my marriage is falling apart, if I'm just struggling and financially I'm having issues and I'm going through all these things and I need to make a change, well, maybe there's some things I need to get right. Maybe there's some things I need to change. Maybe I need to be more engaged with my wife, with my kids. Maybe I need to involve myself more. Maybe I need to spend less time watching TV and more time trying to drum up business. Maybe whatever Whatever those changes are, are there, if you don't acknowledge them, they're not going to change. 
That definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. And so what needs to change first might be just in you. Might just be in me. Might just be where I'm at. Nehemiah confessed, I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. We've neglected you. And it moved him to a place where he cared enough to admit he was wrong, cared enough to confess his sins, and then he cared enough to step into the problem. And you see, this is where the book is going to take us. Into the problem. Because if you are going to change, you have to commit. You have to engage. You have to be intent on showing up to the situation, whatever the situation in your life is. You have to care enough to be involved. You have to build the life you want. And as we go on, we're going to see that Nehemiah didn't just say, okay, God, you see the problem? Bless. Fix it. Amen. And I think we do that a lot. I'll just pray. God, fix it. But I never put my hands on the rocks and start building the life I want. I just pray, God, give me the life I want. And God says, build the life you want. Care enough to involve yourself Care enough to make the change. Be intent and make the difference. And so as we move into this book and as we move into this year, what life do you want? Who do you want to be? What relationships do you want to have? What character do you want to be known for? Be intent on building it, or it will not take place. Be intent on showing up. Care enough to involve yourself with the life that you want. You know, it's kind of interesting because it ends on this kind of obscure, I was cupbearer to the king. You know, here he's got this prayer where he's saying, Lord, your servants hear our prayers, this beautiful prayer, and then it's just, and I was cupbearer to the king. It's like, uh, uh, remember when Lost, and they would leave you with a cliffhanger, like next week on Lost. What happened? What's going to happen? I can't wait. Well, this is the leading into. You see, because the cupbearer was someone of prominent position. He had a high position in the kingdom. The cupbearer was the someone who would taste and make sure that the food wasn't poisoned. So he was pretty close to the king, even though he was a slave. He had a prominent position, and that's why he says at the very end there, give me success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. We're going to find out this man, and we're going to find out what Nehemiah is going to do in the weeks to come. Because what happened to Nehemiah is... He hurt so much and cared so much that it hurt him. And then he was intent on not just leaving it at this prayer, God hear, God answer, God help. God use me. 
because here I go. I think sometimes we're just, God, answer, God, fix, God, do this, and send someone else. But Nehemiah took the next step. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week and, and seeing what those steps lead to in the weeks to come. Let's pray. Father, you call us many times into a place that is dangerous, that there is hardship, that there is sorrow, that there is hurt, that there is the potential for more difficulties. And our natural reaction is to, to resist. We, we want to find that path of least resistance. We want the least conflict. We want the comfortable life. And yet in that comfortable life, many times we sacrifice growth we sacrifice our relationships. We sacrifice our future. Lord, you are calling us to build our future. You're calling us to build our lives. You are calling us to be involved, to show up, to commit, to be people of intention who desire to see the walls built up, who desire to see restoration take place, who hurt enough to care. And Lord, if we don't care, then maybe we need to start with confessing. We, we need to start with that prayer saying, God, I, I don't care. My heart doesn't desire to change. I, I don't want to enter into this difficulty of making a better life for myself. I, I don't want to involve myself in a place that is going to be harder. God, I'm sorry. That's where I've been. But God, you are able to change. You are able to, to give us a new heart. You are able to engage us and discipline us so that we desire what is best for us, for those around us. And as we enter this new year and as we enter this new series, I pray that you would build us up, that you would make us people who care, people who are involved, people who make a difference because we show up, because we are intent in building our lives and building the future that is going to make a difference in the world around us. Give us your heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice that Nehemiah's prayer wasn't for himself, but it was for others. Sometimes that's a good place to start, praying for how we can help others. Hope you have a great New Year's Day and a... Great new year. I hope to see you again next week or Thursday. God bless you guys.